Hey, welcome to The Screenwriting Life. I'm Meg LaFove. And I'm Lorianne McKenna. We are professional screenwriters. We've worked together as a team and separately. We've worked on studio and indie films, live action and animation, from my work on Inside Out and Captain Marvel. To my work in Pixar's story department on Up, Brave, and Inside Out. We are here to share our insights on the craft of screenwriting and also the life. How to not only survive the ups and downs, but thrive. We want to help you become the best screenwriter you can be and to reassure you that you are not alone on this journey. Hey, hey, you guys, welcome back to the Screenwriting Life. We're so glad you're joining us today. We're still at home uh, riding out Corona, um, but glad you're here. And with everything going on, we're like Meg said, we're still bringing you a show, the show remotely from our homes. Um, and today we're going to discuss our topic of the day is how to confront writer's block, which I've never had in my whole life. So you're, you're a rock star, Meg. Yeah. I mean, oh, no. there's I nothing have it, worse. Uh, like every day. Yeah. I mean, that terror of sitting down and being confronted with that cursor and like, oh my God, I have nothing. So we'll get into that and how fun that is. So fun. Um, okay, but before we do that, we're going to talk about our weeks, which is our adventures in screenwriting section. Um, Lauren, go. What was your week like? How was my week? Um, well, today was very exciting. I know I'm starting on Friday, but um, my mom sent me a new pair of pajamas. Oh my God. <laughs> which it relates to being a screenwriter because my other pajama pants were getting kind of threadbare. So I'm very. Uh, thankful to my mom who listens to the show. So she'll really like this shout out. Um, uh, I had earlier in the week, I had a note session where um, it was a final submission of something that I'd been working on for a while. And uh, we got to that point where it just wasn't working. Mm -hmm. And so we decided I wasn't going to move forward on the project. So uh, I, I don't think I got fired because I wasn't getting paid for the work. But um, but you know, it's sort of that sort of grappling with that emotionally. Like I've been working on this project for a while and I just couldn't crack it, right? I just couldn't make it work, so. Or you couldn't crack it the way they wanted it cracked. Right, right. And because I know a little bit about this project and yeah. I do think you cracked it multiple ways, multiple right. ways. Right. It just but, wasn't the target or the crack they wanted. Right, so there's like the intellectual way of dealing with it, which is that like, well, this wasn't working out for all these very clear reasons. And then there's the emotional reason of, failure, right? So, and but, I needed tequila and I needed tequila. Right. Um, and then the next day though, I had a pitch on a project that I'm really excited about. It was a practice pitch with the animation studio that is producing it. And I think that went really well. And so I'm really excited about that. And, um, so that was a good sort of, I was pitching on zoom. How was that? Um, pitching on zoom is uh, challenging, but ever since I found the hide self view button, uh, it is a revelation. It's that a I miracle. Don't, I don't, I think it's new. They must have just added this right. uh, because watching yourself talking, watching yourself listening to other people is truly exhausting and excruciating because in a real life meeting, you don't look at yourself. Well, nowhere in the world do you just look in a mirror and talk to yourself all day yeah. for two hours. So part of this podcast is we're on video. And so right now I'm on hide self view and me too. I, I feel so great and comfortable. So if my <laughs> hair is out of place. Tell me. Yeah. But, um, so, um, so pitching on zoom is interesting, like figuring out how to read the room because you're not physically with somebody is challenging. Um, 
and sort of picking up on those cues that you usually get. I think pitching on Zoom, normally in a pitch, it's like 20 minutes you wanna be talking, 25 minutes. I think on Zoom, it has to be shorter. I think 15 to 20 minutes. I think you gotta be far more energetic too and just keep moving, like don't rush, but the performative aspect of it has to be extra engaging. Um, because waving your hands around is distracting on Zoom. In real uh -oh. life, it's kind of, I mean, when I do it, it's charming and hilarious. But um, it's just different and it's its hard to get used to. And sort of like how much your body you're framing, right? Is it from the right. waist up? Is it just your head? And sort of finding those spaces. Um, and that you've got to look in the camera, in the camera. of your computer, not yes. at the person. Like right. for anybody who's on right now, you can see now I'm looking at Lorian and now I'm looking at the camera. And one, I'm not looking at you. And one, I'm looking at you and engaging. And for a pitch, I have to be looking at you. Yeah. So and you can't actually look at the people you're talking to. What was really helpful is having the pages on my screen. Yeah. Uh, both the uh, the writer and I had our pages on the screen. And so it looked like we were more engaged with the camera. Um, and so it was just, you know, it's just these sort of like learning process. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, and I wore my old pajama pa pants when I was doing the pitch. So <laughs> <laughs> they might be your lucky pajama pants. Although I don't know. I, I will say, um, wearing real pants when I get in a professional meeting, even on zoom makes me feel more professional. Yeah. Right. It's, I think it's probably a good thing just to yeah. put on some makeup and put on your pants. Right. Because, you know, I never know when I have to jump up for some, like last week's podcast, my dog started barking and I had to jump up and get her. Like, I think I was wearing pants. <laughs> I mean, oh I was definitely wearing pants, but I think, um, but just for me and sort of like the ritual of getting ready for a pitch, like I'm going to put jeans on and shoes. And so it barf. Was, and then we're, and you barf and then and you then go. You, and then I get so anxious beforehand. I mean, I'm anxious. You go to the bathroom. And, All that right. stuff still happens even though you're home. Except I don't get to go to the fancy studio bathroom where they have all like the mouthwash and the toothpicks and stuff. <laughs> but um, yeah. So, and then I, um, and then I've been working on other projects. Um, awesome. Stir in and, the pot. Yes. And I've got, I've got two big, exciting projects to work on today. So I'm working, one of them is with you, Meg, which I'm very excited about. That's right. Um, and the other one is I have to work on the next phase of this pitch that I'm working on. So awesome. Our next How was your week? Well, I worked on that project with you, yeah. which was super fun. Yeah. Um, taking those notes we got from the collective and now making them our own and adding and subtracting, dividing, discovering, super fun to work with yes. another person. Um, I am, you know, everybody knows I had a job walk away. So I was out on the job hunt and there's two possibilities. And I, so I've been working on those. One I think has come through. So um, thank you. It's a job that I absolutely cannot talk one iota about. So my weeks will be filled with other things than that job. Um, uh, and the other one would be um, uh, if if it's if it's still something I could do that I would you know wait on, um, but for that I watched the movie Cool Hand Luke, Paul Newman, nineteen sixty eight. I haven't seen that since I was like I don't know eighteen or twenty. Oh my God, it is such a good movie. So it, it is of its time. Like there's goofy shots from the seventies and the music and all that stuff, and it's just a style of filmmaking, right? But if you have a character who um, is remote, um, who doesn't change, who um, 
maybe other people might consider selfish. You know, th this is a character that comes up sometimes, if not a lot. And when people are pitching to me or I'm working with people, this is an amazing example of that kind of character. And yes, it is Paul Newman, but it is written. It's a written version of this guy. And just watch the mastery of how they tell you information about him. And that really the audience is sitting in the characters around him. Like every, I'm sure layman, anybody in the audience thinks it's Paul Newman's movie and he's the main character, but I really don't think he is. I actually think it's the prisoners around him because they're asking the questions we're asking about him. They're delighting in what in him the way we are. It's It's so subtle. I mean, you, I don't know if we could be that subtle today, but I highly recommend it. Um, so, so good. Um, I um, heard another thing from another writer, uh, one of that I wanted to share with you guys. Um, Scott Frank is just an incredible writer. And um, I heard him say that um, uh, he gets stuck every time. And most writers, you're gonna get stuck every time. And it's not about, if you just move off and go on to something else, um, you'll just get stuck there. So it's about really pushing through that. And it's always good to hear that even the giants get stuck. And if they get stuck every time, that it's a part of the creative process. Um, and then um, I, uh, somebody who know, listens to our podcast, Nick, told me that he listens while he works out. So I just want to say, Nick, 10 pounds more, please. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> um, <laughs> one more rep. Um, one more rep. One that's, more rep. That's the workout talk that you're that's so the workout. savvy. That's right. I'm really not. <laughs> Let's go. All right. Um, and lastly, um, you know, trying to get a new job is a really interesting mental experience because whether it's something that's coming, a job you're trying to get, meaning it's something outside of you that it's a job job, it's a rewrite, it's a gig, or it's something you're creating and it's your start, you're in the blue sky phase. I just want... <laughs> I, I have had gone through the process now where when you're at 30,000 feet above that job, you're like, it's amazing. And it just feels so easy because you're just thinking about it in these really big terms, right? Like it's like looking at a roller coaster from 30,000 feet, which just looks like a little meandering white stream down there, right? Like yeah. you, and then you get on the ground, which is where I'm entering right now. Right. And you look up at that roller coaster and you realize um, it's not a meandering screen, stream, it's a roller coaster, and it, there's dips and valleys, and I'm going to be upside down. And by the way, it's not all built. So all that stuff you thought was going to be easy and built somehow, and no. So there's like these stages, right? Like you have to have that first stage of falling in love with something, right? Yeah. It's almost like the, pheron the pheromone version, right? Where you're just like oh, entranced by it and, and all the things it's going to be and all the great relationships you're going to have and all that stuff. And then you get your feet on the ground and you're like, oh my God, can I do this? This is huge. And it has to be a roller coaster that no one's ever seen before, right? And all, but and yet they are at the dynamics but and you got to build- has to be recognizably a roller coaster. It still has to be a roller coaster and it better hold stay up because if it falls down, we're all going to die. Like right. you don't want to be on a roller coaster that falls down. Right. But it has to be thrilling. Right. And it has to be connective, like actually connective and the people next to you together. Right. Half of the fun is the thrill. So um, I'm on the feet on the ground part. I do know that once you get on the roller coaster or start building it, you go back into another phase of excitement. Uh, which can happen quickly or not, um, which already started to happen this morning. You just have to get, you know, get through the turnstile and get on the roller coaster. If you stand there and look at it too long, 
you're not getting on because is, you're going to talk yourself out of it. I think when I had the shock of that, like that first show that we sold and then we were getting into the work and I think it was you or someone else gave, gave me the advice of that's why you have to celebrate the good stuff when it comes like, yay, I got the job or the contract is signed because if you don't celebrate those good things, which it's incredibly hard to do to stop and be like, yay, the contract signed because you're already worried about the next thing, the boot that's going to fall out of the sky and kick you in the head. Right. Cause the boot is coming. Right. I'm always looking up for the I'm boot. Always, me too. So, um, and I try to celebrate, but it's hard. Right. But even just acknowledging it somehow, like a good thing happened when it yeah, happened. Go out with your friends, open a bottle of champagne because yes. it is good. It is amazing. You have, you know, got up to the next base camp, right. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. might have to put your oxygen mask on for the yeah. next one. Cause this is a very high roller coaster. Right. There are oxygen masks involved. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, I'm just at that stage of things. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to, because now that I'm doing this podcast, I'm actually watching it, which is helpful, right? To see, oh, well, that's interesting. I'm right. in a new phase. Yeah. Um, so that's our weeks. Um, so this is the part of the show that Lauren and I just love the most, not, um, which is talking about ourselves. So, uh, you know, before we talk about um, Writer's Block, we just want to thank you guys and our fans for you guys are writing in. Um, I, uh, Lauren and I stayed up late the other night and answered a ton of emails directly to you guys. So I can't promise that, but when we can, we will. Um, we're going to use your questions on air. So please go to the Gmail account and ask your questions. Um, it can be about stuff we talked about or not. Just what, you know, what's on your mind as a writer? What do you need to know about? Um, if we can't answer it on air, we'll try to answer you as best we can online. Um, and also really the way we get to do this is you review it. Because um, you know, we're on Popcorn TV and then it goes on to Apple Podcasts. So please go over there and review it so that we can keep doing it. Well, I'm gonna hop in here guys. Uh, Producer Jeff here. Um, so just echoing what Meg said, just so great to have your comments. Uh, I wanna plug the ladies real, plug the ladies real quick, not plague them though. I know this maybe feels like a plague to them as I read them compliments, but um, they just did a wonderful interview on the Blacklist website as well uh, on the Go Into The Story blog. And I think you guys offered some really illuminating points about the show. So that was really cool. And um, we're friends with the Blacklist over there. We used to do a show where we read a ton of um, high rated Blacklist scripts. Um, you can still check out that show. That's called The Unproduced Table Read. So uh, thanks to them over there for that nice, Shout out. I'm going to read two today, even though we have four amazing reviews. Um, and then maybe next week we'll read the other two, just depending on how quickly they come in. But uh, I'm going to start with Erica O'Harica, which is maybe my favorite uh, handle I've ever heard. Uh, two great coaches when you need them most. First, let me just say I love this podcast with all my heart. The advice, encouragement, commiseration, and insight Megan Lorraine offer up every Friday is genuine, engaging, and smart. Like, really smart. So I always feel like I'm learning something valuable and applicable from them. That said, this podcast is also important to my writing process on a purely motivational level. I'm mostly a film director, but there are certain projects that I find I need to write myself. And for me, the act of writing can feel unbridled and scary. There are so many potential directions in which a story could go. And I sometimes just need, to, I sometimes just need someone to talk about their approach to the craft and get the courage to face the story again. By sharing their challenges and triumphs as writers, Megan and Lorraine help me step back up to the page when I feel lost, defeated, or confused. All those things that storytelling does to you, and for this, I'm so grateful. Erica, thank you so much for that beautiful review. I'm going to read one more. Five stars for Max Rissman. Life-affirming and soul-nourishing. Well, now I'm insecure about writing a review because of the possibility of having it read on air and being compared to all the beautiful and eloquent reviews that have already been read, but whatever, I'll deal. Not only is the screenwriting life educational, insightful, and cutting-edge in its relevance, but it's also life-affirming and spiritually nourishing. 
The recent episode about dealing with rejection was particularly powerful and made me realize I'm not the only one who often feels like I'm a square peg being squeezed into a round hole. I always come away from each episode feeling motivated and recharged as well as more knowledgeable and informed. Thank you, Lauren and Meg. Aww, thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you guys. Uh, yes. Rejection, everybody. And Max, um, that was eloquent and well-written. Just and so it know. was Max, a great writer. And I, I want to say that it is so um, affirming when, when you guys write in like this, because it's a reminder to me that everyone is still struggling with things. Like, I know that's what we talk about. Everyone struggles with this, but then to hear people write in and say, I'm, this is true. And it's like, yes, we're all connected. And it's, you know, we're all- And that someone's actually listening. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm gonna, we're gonna go on. Moving on. Moving on to the topic of the day. Okay, writer's block. All right, so we should probably talk about what writer's block is. Yes, what is writer's block? Right. I I think it'd be different things. Yeah, I uh, Googled, you know, what writers have to say about writer's block. And I, I found all these really smart things, but basically what it boils down to is not writing and from like what I was reading and sort of, and then, so it's the why, mm-hmm. right? Like there's all these very deep psychological reasons why or emotional reasons why. And I think we've talked about some of them, but it's just, it's not writing. Something's holding you back. Right. Um, and sort of uh, one I read was writer's block is just uh, an excuse for uh, you're not writing today. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great excuse. Yeah. And I don't, I'm sorry. I don't remember the writer who said that, but um, I should have written it down in my research. Email us. Yeah. Um, but, but I think there's, there's so many reasons for like, what is, is writer's block? And like, if you, and if it is really bothering you and it's not just an excuse to go to the beach, uh, which is valid by the way. Not right now, obviously, but, um, you know, what is it, you know, it's, is it fear, you know, the fear of sucking that it's just going to be terrible that you actually want to stay up 30,000 feet and look at the pretty white stream. You don't actually want to look at the roller coaster and God help you. You don't want to walk in and start building it while you're on it. Um, yeah, I get it. Nobody does. Um, uh, that is the experience everybody has. Um, or is it that, and the only answer to that is, um, go through the turnstile get your feet on the ground and go through the turnstile and get on the road coaster. Yes, that, just do it. Like write one sentence, write two, write a paragraph and know that it sucks. Yes, great. Um, another one I, you know, the other one is maybe you're just not connecting to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, again, these are just, these are just think, thoughts that I had as I was thinking about my own writer's block, block is that sometimes I'm not really connecting to the stories emotionally. Like intellectually, I think I am but it's not coming up from my well. It's not coming up from inside of me. It's something I'm trying to do in my head. I'm trying to think about it. Um, That's hard. It's possible. I'm not saying you can't do it that way. That's a much harder way to do it. Um, But I think you can get, you know, disconnected from the story. I think you can lose the thread, right, of where was I? This is very hard for me because now with homeschooling and multiple things going on, sometimes I just can't find the thread back in and I have to mm-hmm. literally like read everything I've written to be get back in the water, which just takes time and then I get frustrated. But maybe you've lost the thread of what you're doing or why you started it. Um, it can be chemical, like maybe you're just mm-hmm. tired. Maybe there's just not, the synapses are not firing because you actually have overworked and you need to go take a nap. That is possible. You know, it can also be avoidance. You, the only one who can know that is you. Um, but it can just be chemical. Like you just aren't, uh, you aren't available right now mentally to do it. And that's okay too. 
Um, and you know, you maybe you have just too many emotions rising up and fighting each other, right? And so it just becomes this cacophony and eventually is just noise, right? Like it's just mm -hmm. noise. And how do you, how do you get through that? Um, some solutions that I do, this is just what I do. Um, you know, sometimes I just have to go do something else. Like if it is true, true exhaustion, um, you do need to go take a nap and then see if something comes up when you wake up. Um, take a shower. You'd be amazed, like letting water run over your body and like, you know, you know, cleanse the aura. I don't yes. know. I um, get, I'll get to the point where I have to, I give up, I get angry, I storm away, I take a shower because I'm done. I quit. I can't do that. Think about that anymore. And then I take a shower and like out of nowhere. Like, yeah, oh. And that's a known, a known psychological, yeah. physiological, actual brain thing that sometimes, you know, have you ever looked at the stars and if you actually look at a star directly on, you can't see it, but you can see out of the corner of your eye. Like sometimes your brain just needs to see it a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. um, you know, gardening, gardening, you know, get your hands in dirt, get your hands around life and around living things, take a walk, look at the sky. That, I know this sounds silly, but like, when I'm in an office and it has no windows, I can't write in there right? because the sky is part of my imaginative process. Like I need to see the, 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 the largeness of the sky. Now for another person that might make them feel small, but to me, it actually makes me feel connected um, and that it's okay because everything is beautiful and, and large out there. Um, so um, what I'm talking about, of course, is getting into your body and out of your brain because you've lost that body connection. And I really believe a large part of writing comes from the body, um, comes from that unconscious. So whatever you can do to get back in your body and get some dopamine going uh, is a good thing. Everybody, each to each their own, right? Like, mm -hmm. I wish I could say jogging, but that's not me. I mean, I do try to want rock, yeah. walk and jog, but then I fall asleep because I'm exhausted. But I know for some people that is a fun thing. Um, before yeah. all of this, before all of this, I would take walks and listen to really loud music. Oh, now my dog is barking again. Um, because the uh, the the loudness of the mu like music I love, right? right. And just That's take good. a walk and um, something about like you're saying, like giving my brain something else to do to chew right. on, like not looking directly at it, really and really helps. And it gives me the time too to think a thought all the way through on a walk before I write a sentence and think it's trash and run away from the idea, right? Like yeah. half an hour out there stomping around, I can really chew on something. And music's great. Music yeah. is a great, like we worked with the director at Pixar who loved um, soundtracks and he would just drive around listening to soundtracks and trying not to think of the story mm -hmm. because it puts him and music puts you into an emotional state. Mm -hmm. right? And that will start connecting you back to your body. The walking is connecting you back to your body, right? So music is a great way to do it. Pick some music that you think is the theme of your character, the theme of your movie, and just let it, you know, dance and, and sing it out, right? Mm -hmm. Dance around your living room. I dare you. Please tell me if you do it because I've done it. I've done that. I've put the music on really loud and danced around my living room. But only um, if you do the footloose dance where you're punching the air in the barn. That would make me happy. Oh my God, you just <laughs> aged us right there. Footloose is a great reference. <laughs> it is. You mean so, the one starring Julianne Hough, right? Is that what you guys are talking about? Yes. Oh, yes, perfect. Yeah, that's yeah. absolutely what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, but you know, the other thing that could be happening is your muse has decided that it doesn't trust you. Uh, you don't sit down, you don't show up, and then you demand that the muse come. Uh, only at that moment that you're sitting down. And sometimes the muse is flipping you off, man, and saying, uh-uh, I deserve more. Uh, this is a big 
sacred door that I'm going to open. I need to trust you with it. So, you know, you might just need to sit down and you might just need to push through and write shitty. Am I allowed to say shitty on this podcast? Now I did. You said worse. Okay, you can believe me. <laughs> Same place. <laughs> um, so, you know, you might just need to do that. You might just need to suck and sit there and do it. Even if it feels like you're on fire, you know, it, sit there for 10 minutes and tomorrow 15 and tomorrow 20 until it starts to that, that we talk about the dry riverbed, the water starts to come in, but maybe the muse is testing you to see, are you going to do it? You think you're stuck and you're stuck maybe for a purpose. Maybe this muse stuck you for a purpose because you've got to change something in your script pretty big. And the only way you're going to see it is you push through it, right? Even the greats get stuck. Even the greats get blocked. It's part of the process because you've got to go look at something. So, you know, that also could be why the muse is not showing up. Um, the last thing I would say about it is, um, well, maybe the last thing we'll see, but um, <laughs> at least that I wrote down is, um, you know, the, the thing that Elf really does help me is you probably did love something about your characters when you started and you did emotionally connect to them when you started or a character uh, or as you wrote, a new character showed up. I don't care if it's the dog. I don't care what it is. Something has emotionally hooked your heart. And you need to know that if you don't break through that block, they are not coming. They don't get a chance. They chose you to be the one to bring this out into the world. And if you don't sit your butt down and push through, do the work of getting in your body, do the work of leaning into that lava, they are not gonna get a chance to exist here with us on this plane of existence. Your story, those characters are never gonna get to tell their story. They're never gonna get received. And I, you gotta fight for them. You have to fight for them. Sometimes when I'm working with young writers and they will like diss what they wrote, you know, like, well, I just, you know, I just think that outline sucked and all the judgment, judgment, judgment. And you know what I do? I say, excuse me, um, the past self that you were, I'm, I'm going to fight for her. I'm going to defend her. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. No, no, no. She sat down. She wrote. She did what she needed to do, right? And yes, now we can go analyze it and churn it up again, but don't, don't diss her because she did it. She did the hard work. So some, you know, you've got to fight for the characters to come and don't fight for yourself if your ego is what's locking you up because it just turns into judgment, right? I need to write can turn into I suck really, really fast. So just think about your character that you want her, the dog, whatever to exist. So fight for her because she's waiting for you. So yeah. go do it. Um, oh, I, it wasn't the last thing. Sorry, Lorian. One thing more. The other thing I do sometimes with my mentees is if they're really deeply stuck is I make them, and I mean this literally, send me 100 ideas for the solution to that problem. And it can literally be Martian's land, right? And give her a magic key. I don't care what it is. And it will be that by number like 50. But it just shows your brain how many there are. And somewhere in there, there's probably some gold or a little trail to follow, or you'll see a theme of all of them. They're all kind of some the same kind of thing. Or that's another thing. Just you, again, it's about churning it up and getting it and doing it. Yeah. I think um, one of the things I want to add to that are um, the fear of disappointing other people, mm -hmm. right? You've worked so hard to stake your claim as a writer and people believe you now when you say it. And now you have to deliver. 
and right. it's terrifying. And so that right. fear can paralyze you. And sort of then being able to distinguish between the fear of that, you know, feel of disappointing other people, yourself, not being a writer, all that, that fear stuff. But there's also a piece of that that is actual real physical anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. So I struggle with anxiety and I have a psychiatrist, a therapist. And for me, it becomes when I'm in an anxiety moment where like my chest hurts, mm -hmm. it's hard to know if that is an anxiety attack or fear. Right. And learning right. how to distinguish those things. Do I need to take a pill? Do I need to take a nap, a walk? Like, what is it that I need to do in order to get through this? And, and sort of learning what those signs are can be really, really hard. And for me, most of my writer's block, most of my I'm not writing today comes from fear. Mm -hmm. um, I'm afraid. And, you know, and then I and then and then the fear doubles down and then I get anxious and then it sort of builds and creates this monster that becomes so big. It's hard. And then it becomes writer's block. And then I'm frozen and right. really stuck. And so figuring out strategies to recognize that, like to, I don't like this phrase, but to be mindful when you're doubling down on it, right? When you need to pull the plug and walk away um, because it can, that monster. Yeah, staying present, just, yeah. Yes, you, in you your gotta, body. You gotta like stay I, present in your body because if you dissociate, Yes. Now you're doubly out, right? Yes. Okay, well, how do you do that? How If you've already dissociated because you are got writer's block and you're freaking out and now you think you're a failure and you have no money and you're going to die and that whole scenario was just run out and catastrophized, <laughs> I right? call that my demons have come out to play. Yes, the demons All are out, okay? And you are yeah. you can't even feel it. The first thing to do is, I, I'm not kidding, feel your feet. Put your feet on the ground. Literally Absolutely. put your feet on the ground and feel your toes and move your toes and ground yourself back to the earth, back to your body Breath and breathing is a very good thing to do yeah. when you're starting to disassociate. Journaling, just dump it out. Mm -hmm. Or if you've got a big emotion up, write it, write in, it. In, in a character. Like uh, if it doesn't fit in with the script you're writing and there's no character there who's feeling this, just create a character. You're a writer and let that character express it because there's a, a, a psychological safety to that, right? Yes. They're saying that old man who's 96, you know, sitting in his old ratty chair can say it. Yes. Um, and some part of you can't just to release it, let it up, let it, let it, let it show you what it is. Um, it's kind of like dreams, right? Like they yeah. say if, in your dreams, if you're able to go right at the shark, it usually disappears yeah. where it turns into a little cute. But that is a skill. Puppy. That's another skill that you can add to your repertoire as a writer is noticing when you're starting to spin out. Right. right. So that you don't go full and you lose a week or even you lose a day or you lose that hour when if you just taken the time to put your feet on the ground, like you said, Meg, and breathe, get some water, that that was the time when something really lovely was going to show up for you. Yeah. Right? I literally have sometimes I literally am talking while I'm writing because oh, I, I'm I, so I, lost and I so don't want to be doing this. And I know it sucks that I'm just like, just do it. Just do it. Well, that is terrible. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> what, what the, what the hell is that? I don't know. Well, that might work. I look just to, cause I, it's literally like gritting your teeth and just get through to the other side. And if you don't have the other side yet and you have to keep going, you do. And then the other side of the coin is just forgive yourself. Yes. Cause guess what? You're human. This is vulnerability. This is the stuff of writing. This is what you have to put down into your script. And writers are super sensitive, super um, on the edge of all of, all of these things because we have wild imaginations, right? So it is a double-edged sword. 
the very thing that allows you to be this sacred door writer creator person is also the thing that can bring anxiety and panic attacks and fear. It's very, very common. It's just, it's just brain chemistry of a writer. And, and especially now, give yourself some grace, give yourself some space because just waking up sometimes is stressful today, you know, like yes, in a oh, pandemic, <laughs> you might have a little extra anxiety to deal with. Right. There's extra pressures and there, there feels like extra pressure to perform somehow too, because, you know, suddenly right. we're, you know, we have all this time. So that's right. a, that's a lie. And so write um, whatever comes up, honestly, yeah. if it's just about writing and you are a person who cannot commit to everyday, write, Okay. It's 10 minutes a day, whatever the heck comes up. Whatever character shows up and knocks on the door in that 10 minutes, which I hope you can make 15, which I hope you can make 20, which I hope you can make a half hour. Come on. You can do 20 minutes a day. Come on. You can. Um, And don't worry about if it's good, if it's bad, if it's a script, if it's a play, if what's the market, blah, blah, blah. None of that. They don't get to come to the party. Right. You just, you know, you just have to commit to the muse. And I, I do think the writing can save you as well. Like it can save you. I think the other two things that can be really helpful are writing in a genre that's not what you're trying to do. Like, oh, that's interesting. You know, uh, fiction, poetry. You've done this, Meg. Oh, right, right. You mean like, like the medium itself? Right? You're like, oh, that's interesting. I'm like, I literally got this idea from you. <laughs> well, genre. I thought you meant. I thought you meant like oh, go write a horror movie, and oh, I'd be like, oh my god, I've never medium. written a horror movie. Oh, right. I used the wrong word, but that could also be helpful. See, it could be. Oh my god, genius! You are what? a genius. Right? Look, people, it just happened in real time. <laughs> in real time, she was chunking through it, and she. And you know, here's the thing. So here, I want to say one thing quick. My son is learning music and he's actually such a perfectionist that we got him a jazz piano teacher because jazz is teaching him that the true creativity is in the mistakes. That the true profound thing they are looking for is in their mistakes. That is jazz. It is decoding his perfectionism. It is also writing. Yeah. I know that's hard to grasp, but in the mistakes is the stuff. You have to do them. You're not going to get away with not doing them. I'm sorry. It's not possible. It is the actual essence of what you're doing. So no pressure. So you I'm just did it. Lorian just did yeah. it. Quote, unquote, made genre. a mistake and that said something really smart. Yeah. So try a different genre. And the other thing I think that can be helpful is reading. Read. Oh, yeah read something that you love, read a screenplay and watching a movie. Like this is all part of the work. You know, I got really, really inspired when I watched Cool Hand Luke. I'm just re-inspired to do anything and everything, not even just for the project I was watching it for, for everything, because I can't explain it. I was just like, it's so good that I now need to aspire to this subtlety, to this control. And I know it was based on a book, but it doesn't matter. It's, again, you guys might, because it's so from a 68, you might be like, what? But then, so email me, we'll have a conversation about it. Is that the one with what we have here is a failure to communicate? To communicate. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> so good. Yes. I saw that movie a very long time ago. But not in very... 68. I'm not that old. Yeah, I know, right. But it's super yeah. inspiring. So really good cool. advice as well. Yeah. Um, um, writer's um, block. Writer's block. There it is. Ta-da. So uh, should we uh, question yeah, of the do week? Do you have any questions? I mean, you're you're. I could see you nodding your head, and you know, 
I probably should have a question for this week. Um, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. No, you're fine. It's funny. You, (laughs) you teased up top and I probably should have like been thinking of when I was just so enamored by what you guys were saying, but um, I do have a recommendation though. Um, I know a lot of, some writers are also performers. They're writers slash performers. Some aren't, uh, but I recommend to any writer who's listening, take an improv class. Um, Mm, Improv is a really way, it's a really effective way to free yourself of kind of like rules, regulations, and barriers to, I think, um, creating. Um, Because improv is, first of all, one of the philosophies of improv, which some improvisers kind of roll their eyes at because it's almost become a cliche, but it's saying yes and. Um, So it's the idea of giving yourself and your scene partner permission to take risks and um, a, and be in agreement. And I think when you're ready, you need to be in agreement with yourself uh, because mm-hmm. if you're not in a position of openness and agreement, you won't generate anything. Um, and just the, I think inspiration of improv comes from creating something out of nothing and with no prerequisites or precedents. So, you know, if, um, if you can do that live in a scene, it becomes much less intimidating to sit down and face the blank page. I think that's so good. Go take an improv class. Even if you're shy, it doesn't matter. You there's Mm -hmm. beginner improv classes where they know everybody wants to throw up. They're so nervous. Mm -hmm. You'll just you'll be a vulnerable human like everybody else. There's a great improv show on right now with the um, character with the actor from um, from. Oh my God, my brain. It just went out of my head. Okay, I'm going to put it on the Facebook page. What it is is two guys, um, one from Silicon Valley, and they little bitch in shorts. Oh my God, they walk on the stage in front of like 500 people. Like, I'm not even kidding. It's a double-decker theater and they people just shout stuff out and they do a whole... To, and what's fun about it is they are making mistakes and that's mm-hmm. half the delight is as they make mistakes and make each other laugh is when you actually connect to them. It's yeah. really amazing to watch um, these pros just fly by the seat of their pants. That's awesome. Um, highly recommend it. And I'm going to quickly tease too, if anyone in here is LA based, which I know probably a good number of our listeners are, Thomas Middleditch is also a member of an improv troupe called the Improvised Shakespeare Company. And um, it plays at Largo. It's one of the most incredible live stage shows I've ever seen. My wife and I have gone multiple times. Um, and yeah, it's very just the, I think the inspiration of creating something out of nothing is really the essence of improv. And the Improvised Shakespeare Company, they play at Largo in Los Angeles once a month. And it's one of the best and most uh, reasonable value stage shows you can see. So it's really fun. I'm we'll go going. as a team. We should go as a team. It'd be oh, really I'm, fun. I'm going. I can't wait. As soon as we're allowed out of our homes. I know. You're right. In 2022, <laughs> uh, I really recommend going yeah. to see. Yeah. We will sit six feet apart from each other and laugh really hard. Yeah. All right. So um, should question. we, our question? Our question, yes. We have time? Do we have yeah. time? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Do we? Uh, yes. So okay. this comes from... Haley Michelle Tabor, I think I'm saying that right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she did the homework. She did uh, the homework, she, Haley. She blue skied an idea and then she sat down and uh, did a barf draft and she gave herself a deadline. So she has a few questions. Um, she says, I know where my story is going and how I want it to end, but I'm struggling to figure out where it should start. I'm struggling even when I try focusing on character journey. Um, and then number two, she says, when it comes in transitioning from blue sky to barf drafting, how much do I need to f- have figured out? I feel like maybe my excuse for delaying the barf draft is wanting to have every details and scene order planned out, but I also don't know how to run it, but I also don't know how, don't want to run into problems or blocks with the story because I don't have enough figured out already. 
This is a story that terrifies me because I know getting to the heart of it will be difficult and painful, but I do think in the end, cathartic. It's not something I want to avoid any longer. So first, props. Yay. Big, big props. Like, yes. I wish we had t-shirts. I'd send you one. Let's get on that. <laughs> Don't uh, make any more promises. <laughs> sorry. Because I, you are doing, you're doing it. You did a barf draft of something that's lava for you that you are trying not to avoid anymore. Great. That is the money right there. That's the hard part. Um, and these are very practical, very good questions. Um, you know, every, I have to always say up front, every writer's different. Everybody's brain works different. Our process may not be your process, but if it helps you to hear what we would do. Um, for me, I do it both ways. Sometimes, you know, what's interesting to me is you know where you start and you know where she fin your character finishes, but you don't know where to start. You she, just, right? She says, I, she I know where it's going and where it wants to end, but she doesn't know how to set it start up. Start it. Start it. Here's, I'm really telling you this honestly, anywhere. Hmm. It's a barf draft. It does not matter. You could, I don't care where you start it, right? You don't think about like, just start it because you might be starting what will end up being all backstory, which honestly most of us do. Yeah. Or you might be starting at the midpoint. Who knows? Who cares? Because until you barf it out, there is no way to know. You cannot go up 30,000 feet and look at that roller coaster because you're down on the roller coaster. So just get on. It does not matter. Point of entry. It does not matter. Um, and also, I, it's interesting in your question, I hear you say, I don't want to run into problems or blocks. Um, that is going to happen. Just expect it to. Um, it just, <laughs> not possible. So um, just do it. Um, sometimes I just start. I don't know where to enter. I don't know where I'm going. I literally write the questions as I'm putting them down in the document, I'll be like, oh my God, this doesn't work. What about this? What about this? And then I just keep going. Sometimes I start a separate document for questions or maybe a character pops up and I don't know where to put them, but wow, she just keeps showing up. So I put that over here, right? Um, and then I have that for later, like a little, and what's happening is it's boiling in your head too. Like even you wrote it down over here, so it's in your head. Um, so the, the transition from blue sky to barfing is barfing. Yeah, I think there's a, <laughs> There's this real need to do story area, right? Which is like a paragraph describing what you're gonna write about. That's in TV mm -hmm. development. And then an outline and then a script, right? And that the idea is you're laying down the tracks in each version, but what really happens is here's what I wanna write about. And then you sit down to do the outline and it's it just turns into something else and takes you off into several different paths and tracks and new characters. And then once you sort of get that into a new place and then you go to script and that same thing happens. It's that rewriting, it's that messy development, exploration, rewriting that's so scary because we all want to know, what am I writing? Now I'm going to execute it. But right. you, no. you know, I, 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 was watch, I watched um, the Muppet movie last night with my daughter <laughs> and um, this isn't a spoiler, I'm not gonna ruin anything. But you know, the movie opens in the swamp with lonely, sad Kermit singing Rainbow Connection alone. And it ends with Kermit with all his friends in Hollywood. And you know, he's, they're all singing the song together, right? So he got what he wanted. He believed in himself, he got his dreams, but it's those two poles, right, of the right. song. And so I'm, I'm sitting there and I wonder when that came up. You know, when that idea came up in the development, was did they always have that, or was that something they discovered in the in sort of 
in the theme of it, you know, how are we going to put this movie together? Um, so like we watch movies and we think, oh my God, that's so beautiful how they put it's that so obvious. So obvious, right? So lovely. But like in reality, who knows how long it took them to get there, right? Yeah, so, those, yeah and those ideas of story areas and outlines, I, they just make me laugh because- It's never, when well, we go back. <laughs> there's some assumption, like even in how they pay you, well, that's the right. easy part. And then you'll write the script. And it's like, it's actually the reverse. I have to do so much work churn up so much clay and chisel it and look it's so much harder to put into an an idea down into a paragraph and then outline it so that it all holds together now writing it is the freaking easy part because I've done all the work right Mm -hmm. so uh be careful now by the way you can do a loose outline like sometimes to answer uh your question um I have my blue sky idea and I just dumped everything and now I'll go okay there's my dump. I know that I believe character is structure. We talked about that in, the, in one of our episodes. So I will take the basic sh- character structure points and I will do a couple of versions, right? Based on that blue sky. It could be this, it could be that, like those poles that Lorraine's talking about. I know I want her to start here and end here. Um, she's transformative. So they, it is a big transformation. Um, she's staying the same, so the world's transforming, but she does have a tiny arc. Like, whatever that is, I do the very big points, knowing <laughs> that I'm probably tossing them. But it helps me feel a little contained, right? That I'm going to start her here, and I think the end of Act 1 is going to be this kind of thing. Whatever. By the way, it's like a Mad Lib. Just fill it in, right? Okay, there it is, and start your barf draft. And it might immediately go off. And then you can go back and redo it, redo those points, or it might chug along and you hit the midpoint and you're like, oh my God, it's not working at all. My advice, and this is just me, keep going. Keep going. That's what I was going to say. Keep going, pushing through. I know so many writers who have 10 half drafts. Mm. And at that point, I have to tell you, you are afraid. That is not, that's not writing. That is bailing, right? That's avoiding. Just it takes Scott Frank's advice. Just keep going to the end because you don't know what the beginning is until you get to the end. You don't know. You literally cannot know where to start until you've gotten to the end, right? So even if it sucks and you're like, oh my God, this midpoint doesn't work anymore, but okay, just chunk it out. Keep going because you're going to find something that you need to know right? And if you really can't, like you just can't, because you know that's not the midpoint, then you got to do it really fast. You have to recalibrate those structure points. And now my, my call to action to you is write it as fast as you can, because you're thinking a lot. You're thinking maybe too much. You just have to get a lump. And once you've got the lump, you do this all over again. You recarve, you ask a lot of questions, you add, you subtract, you restructure, point it, over and over and over and over until it starts to hold like when you can't shake it as easily and that's maybe when you give it to somebody else right and going back to the sort of writer's block of it and those half drafts or even you have an idea in your head and it sits in your head for too long and then by the time you sit down to write it you think it's terrible it's Mm. that um which i'm doing right now (laughs) i had an idea and i haven't written it down yet so i just dismissed it it's terrible so i'm making myself write it down you have to write right so you get to that half draft and you've decided it's terrible i can't do this it doesn't work right but you you hate it 
right? But again, you have to go back in and find something, go back to the beginning of what you loved about it, you know, keep pushing at it and finish it. And this is something I struggle with every single time I'm working on something, right? I get to that point where I'm like, well, this is the worst. I don't know what I was thinking, you know, but I think it's that, um, and that's how I let myself off the hook. That's how I fail, right? Like, well, because oh. here's the thing. If you never finish it, you never have to face really. That's right. it, you never have to face it didn't work. And you never have to, you never have to give up that blue sky, 30,000 foot feeling. Because right. you never, because you got on the roller coaster anyone. and you were yeah. like, I don't like this roller coaster. Yeah. I'm off. I'm going back 30,000 feet looking for my next roller coaster. No, 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 no. The writing is the roller coaster. The yeah. writing is building it while you're riding it. So you have. So that's it. You have to go back in. You have to keep, you have. And I really think even if it's really bad scenes in your mind, you have to keep writing till the end. Here's the other thing. First acts are easy. Oh, they're the best. I could You're write the a whole best. movie of a first act. Sometimes two A's are easy because it's fun, fun and games. Yes. Mid points kill most people. Yes. It just shows you, oh my God, my idea is actually two acts, not three. Oh my God, I, this main character, it, the whole thing putters out. Mm -hmm. Okay, welcome. That is normal. But the only way you might know how to fix that midpoint is you just keep writing and let it evolve, let it go somewhere. If it goes completely off track, okay, let it. Because it might want to get to the end and show you a climax. Okay, worst case scenario, you keep going. It's all trash in your mind because you're judgmental and you're trying to kill it. Okay, it isn't. Take some time away from it. Mm -hmm. Come back. There's got to be one or two things you like. You know that there is. That was your baby. You can always find one or two things. And then what do you do? You go back and yeah. you churn again. And you just do this over and over and over and over. And it, it, I know it sounds like a lot, but it actually isn't once you get into the rhythm of this um, and the bravery to do it, it's liberating. It's liberating. And then it's so exciting when you finish something. Yay. I know, right? <laughs> yes, I have a passion project that I've been working off and on. And I mean, off like for a year. I mean, like big off and on for maybe 12 years. Um, even started with a writing partner who passed uh, with cancer. Um, and really, he's the reason I keep going back to it to honor him. And um, I, a friend of mine is directing and he comes back and forth and every once in a while we'll come back. And you know what? We just finished. Wow. Congratulations. And it, we've gotten to the point that we've gotten great reads and we're both like, we really love this. Yay. And we don't care what anybody else says <laughs> because we have really done many, 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 many versions, many, many versions, right? Yeah. And I know those characters. I know I can defend every scene. He as a director can answer any actor's question because we've done all that churn. We've done all that work, all those questions. And it began just as a blue sky sitting over lunch thing, right? So I'm not saying everything takes 12 years. I'm just using that as an extreme example. Yeah. Keep going. Just keep going. Keep going. Because yeah. something incredibly beautiful and powerful can be, will be born from it. And Love I it. That is a good place to wrap up the show. All right. So let's get out of here, guys. You. Thanks so much for joining. <laughs> yeah, thanks, you guys. Um, thank, and come back next week. Uh, uh, and thank you for being with us. Yeah, Definitely. And remember, you. you guys can always send questions to the screenwritinglife at gmail.com. We have our Facebook page and, of course, our beautiful uh, Apple podcast reviews. Our goal is to create a community around this, which is what we've been doing, um, which is incredible. So um, thanks to Megan Laurie and thanks to all the listeners. And um, we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.
From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.